When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's BWI Daily Edition coming up on the show today. I don't know. I didn't plan the show. You did. It is the mailbag episode back for the bye week. Myself, Nate Bauer, answering your questions this Thursday on the BWI Daily Edition. Let's get to it. Back by popular demand, I might add. It's the BWI Daily Edition. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That's Nate Bauer. We're answering your Penn State football questions five weeks into the season. We've done a lot of reflection. We've done a lot of comparison over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. And today we're just talking about what you want to talk about the first five weeks of the season. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just, I'm always so impressed by your intros. They're so well thought out. They're so snappy. I can't do that. I do it with fits and it's terrible. So I will say give me some pointers. Uh, on so so air checking on air, your pace is phenomenal. You know, I talk a thousand miles a minute. You've got great pace. So there's the 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 clay we're working with, phenomenal. Hey, I, I'm just I'm trying to get one percent better every day. So, <laughs> oh by the way, we are now past 365 episodes. So we are one percent better every single day for a full year now. Congratulations to the quasi official birthday, the BWI Daily Edition. But also, uh, we're in the bye week. Yep. And I, I normally will talk to you when we're live here on YouTube and we'll discuss what you want to during the show. Mm-hmm. I don't always like to point this out, but this is not a live broadcast. We are airing it live on YouTube. So if you're in the comment section, you want to ask questions. Today's questions are coming where they did previously from some from social media and from bluewhiteillustrated.com. So it's a great reminder that if you are not yet, be a member of bluewhiteillustrated.com so that when we do the mailbag, the official mailbag where we're taking questions for the show. Those primarily come from those avenues. So sign up for $1, 12 months of access. It's in the description, all that great stuff. We're getting those questions today. I wanted to set the record straight for everybody who's watching so that people don't feel left out. Um, and if you're like, if you're watching the video, give it a like, even though I'm probably disappointing you here. Are you ready to get to the questions? And, and subscribe and set notifications. Thank you. Moving on. I even get notifications on my phone. I'm like, ooh, we're live. And I go and I, I try to be in the, the chat as much as possible uh, when we aren't live live to, uh, you know, provide the same sense of community. And I enjoy it, by the way. It's a ton of fun. Chester Copperpot comes with a great ooh. question today. All right. Do you think there are wrinkles or plays that PSU has up its sleeve for these three games? Will PSU open up their playbook, offense, and defense and give more opportunities for the first-year players? Um. I do think that there's more in store, especially offensively for the next three weeks. What do you think? Yeah, I, I hate the word wrinkles, but yes, I'll, I'll play this game. Um, There's, there's a few things going on, right? One Northwestern showed virtually nothing by matter of circumstance. And so now you're talking about, really uh you know absent central michigan which 
there wasn't a whole lot to do. Penn State started with the ball inside the 20, like three times. Yeah. Right. So, so the offense didn't do a whole lot in that game. Uh, you're going back to really the Auburn game since Penn State's offense has, has done anything different or new yeah. or spectacular, um, you know, under a normal condition, I would say. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I absolutely expect some different level of performance certainly but also yeah just different different things that they want to do i mean it's just the 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 debate and the conversation is is always like oh is it is it people want to know if penn state has saved things for this as though there's going to be this radical new identity i I don't think that i think it's that there are things bases um base concepts that they've had throughout that they pick and choose based on what they're going to see what right yeah, absolutely what are the what are the what are the looks that they're going to see defensively uh from these three teams that Penn State has coming up uh that will dictate what you're going to see but are there uh like trick plays are there are there are there things that are probably in their pockets that they haven't yeah. gotten out yet that they've probably worked quite a bit on yeah I, yeah. I, would, I would guess that that's absolutely the case yeah I think that's a that's a fair way to look at that too that the idea I, you know, I'm just going to end up repeating what you said, but the idea of saving things is not necessarily something that happens where, um, and I'll set, maybe I'll, I'll attack it this way. So give you a specific example, the counter pitch where they, they pitch the ball, but it's a counter play. Uh, that is a wrinkle, right? But that becomes a part of your playbook now. So it's not like you're designing trick plays for each week. Now, they did debut a trick run versus Northwestern and it went for a fumble. So they have yeah. been they have been deploying some of these tricks, but the point is, and I guess this is where I'm considering the passing game more so than the running game when it comes to augmentations or things we haven't seen a lot of. They have not used that part of the offense extensively since Ohio. Yep. I mean, Purdue, they had to win the game that way. But really, Ohio, they had an efficient passing attack where I saw some some good concepts that they then used later. And that's the best way to use a concept is it's new. It's a play. It's not a trick. And then you can use it later and you can augment it. You can play off of those things. So I think Mike Yersich has always done a great job of taking a base concept and turning it on its head. The point is this year, the base concepts are working better than they have in the past. Except for the passing game, which we'll get to in a little bit. What about the defense? I I don't want to limit Manny Diaz because he has come up with some insane stuff. It's also harder to see, I think, on defense in terms of a defensive play call where none of us really can see the stunts and the twists and all the crazy stuff he's doing from the broadcast angle because it's you're trapped in that two dimensional frame. Do you think more there as well? I'll I'll be I'll be curious to see because this is really going to be the first time for us to see and I mean obviously no disrespect to Auburn but I think that Penn State understood that it didn't have to do a ton to limit that Auburn offense that that Auburn's offense limited itself and so my question is in bigger games in more highly equipped offenses that Penn State is going to face does Manny Diaz do more tricks up his sleeve or fewer right, right. what's what's the approach when you're facing uh, an offense that's as dynamic as 
certainly Ohio State is, but yeah. also Michigan appears to be. And certainly, um, you know, Minnesota has its own strengths offensively that are a little yeah. bit different from the rest of the West. And so we were updating our predictions uh, for a round table this week. And I hope I'm not spoiling anything. I hope the article is out. I didn't know. I didn't ask Greg when he was putting it out. But the the point being, uh, a team that I looked ahead to the schedule on is in, in this particular conversation, what you just said, you got to be aware of what Maryland is this year. Mm-hmm. Talia Tungavaloa played well last year. And I know that the interceptions and the box store box stats, you know, box score stats, did not indicate that he is playing very well. They're four and one. I know that they uh, lost to Michigan, but they were in that game late. And I, I just yep. think that you can't take that team lightly. Anytime you have a good quarterback and Tunga Valoa has been a good quarterback, whether or not you want to acknowledge that is, is a secondary point. He's been a good quarterback. He's been dangerous. They have to prove that they are good enough to go up against good quarterbacks. And they're going to face a couple in the second half of the season. Um, Quickly, before we get to the next question, what is your impression of this start versus last season? I, I, I went deep in the numbers the last two days to look yeah. at a comparison of 21 and 22. So it's on my mind. But just generally, you know, your yeah. assessment of where they are this year as opposed to last year's 5-0 and start. Yeah, I think I think um, they, they are living less close to the edge in terms of depth i think that the depth development has been a huge factor one in the storyline of the first five games but also what it means to the second seven games eight games uh depending on injuries because look injuries happen you you just saw it to keandre lambert smith it's going to happen it's just keandre lambert smith's injury you know and obviously knock on wood for his sake that it's not that uh serious but if it is and to happen at that position is is just dramatically different from PJ Mustafer and uh, Sean Clifford, but right. Right. Also all like, obviously those didn't happen in the first five games last year. What stands out to me is defensively. They're much more ball hawking. They mm-hmm. just are, they, they catch the interceptions and it wasn't like they didn't have opportunities last year. They just didn't catch some of them. They're catching them this year after being blanked in the first two games, the past three, they've, they've gotten a ton of interceptions, uh, fumble recoveries, you name it. Uh, and then offensively, I just, I, you know, I sound like a broken record, but I think Nick Singleton and Katron Allen changed things because, and, and concurrent to some improvement in run blocking on the offensive line, that those three things combined give Penn state a versatility that just did not exist last season on offense and a home run threat that also didn't exist really anywhere um, outside of John Dotson. Yeah. Yeah. And so going into the article I, I did today, that was one area that I guess I was more surprised in than anything was the run blocking improvement, which I have seen like that tangibly, I can say I've seen better performances did not come through in the wash. When you look at PFF grades or some of the metrics that you can, you can measure by when it comes to the offensive line. Cause there are very few. Mm-hmm. So that was a surprise to me, but the overall, I think the point about last year too is so far underscored by even if you accept a PFF grade for what it is along the offensive line and, and it just shows having a good running back that can break tackles. That's what they needed last year. They were missing Correct. that element and it was really as simple as that. What's, I mean, what's 
bottom line, what's yards per carry this year against yards per carry last year? Because I would guess among the running backs, if I'm I'm ballparking off the top of my head, I think it was three one last year with right sack adjusted yeah. just from the running backs was three point one. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I didn't I didn't look at the individual. I was doing through the first five games, but I didn't look at the team through the first five games this week. I only looked at the individual stats. But last season, uh, Noah Kane sure. averaged three point two yards per carry. Kevon Lee six point two. But you know, when you take all that in consideration, it was not that good through the first five games. They're at four point nine yards per carry right now as a team. Yep. It's just noticeable. Let's get to our next question. Chest Westerson, what do you think is the if uh, who do you think what do you think is the effective starter at running back? It should be who Singleton to let him find his groove and hit explosive runs or start Allen to have more consistent running game and then bring Singleton as a change of pace back. There has been a growing fan base with Catron Allen, mm-hmm. despite the fame, despite the excitement of Nick Singleton. Um, I have a feeling you don't really look at the question this way, do you? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that people tend to want what they don't have. And so Catron yeah. Allen, I think is very good. I, I, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think that speaking highly of Nick Singleton in any way diminishes what Catron Allen brings to the field. I think that what Nick Singleton provides is an element that while it's not necessarily predictable, it's an element that Penn state needs considerably more than it does the five yards of carry that Catron Allen is going to give you. And and those are great. That's a great thing to have in your pocket. I'm not sure that there's i I'm not sure that there's a wrong answer there, but I just think that, the impact of Nick Singleton in particular early in games, if possible, it changes what defenses do. Yep. It, it, it alters the approach. And so if you can establish that from the get-go or somewhere around the get-go, it, it upends things. It, it, it makes defensive coordinators nervous. It, mm-hmm. it changes how they approach the game. There's so a psyche I, to it. Right. There's so you can get to it. You can get yeah. burned by a pass play and the defense coordinator can get mad because somebody busted a coverage. Right. So like typically the way I've observed defense is that giving up a long run play is an affront. It is an offense to football. Giving up a deep passing play is an individual that made a mistake that you can go yell at. Yep. <laughs> There's a huge difference there. Yep. Yep. Nods. No, and so, uh, yes, I, I do think that if uh, I don't even like putting myself in those shoes because I know that I'm not qualified for it. But from my uneducated opinion or perspective, it's yes, that, that Nick Singleton does provide something that Catron Allen does not. And that, that element again, as unpredictable as it might be is, is of a superior value when you look at the, the whole of the game. Let's, let's also not get caught up in the moment. Because this is a very easy thing to do. It's something I was going to ask James Franklin about. Like, do coaches get caught up in the moment of the last two games have gone this way? So then you start to think things go this way, even though, like, when you look at the whole thing and what you've been able to do over the course of time tells a very different story. Last week in the first half, Nick Singleton was ripping off 
10 and 15 yard runs. Yep. He was being productive and then he fumbled and then he came out of the game. The week before, he was struggling a little bit, but Catron Allen was producing similar results to Nick Singleton against Northwestern. The difference being that he came in in the second half and didn't fumble until the very end of the game instead of at the beginning. So, like, let's and not, let's not get caught up in the idea that Nick Singleton is one thing and Catron Allen is another because he was proving in that game he was on to a very healthy five yards of carry without a seventy-yard touchdown. He was being consistent, and then he fumbled. This this is not fair to Catron Allen, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, it stopped raining in the second half. <laughs> The, the ball wasn't as wet. It wasn't, yeah. the conditions were not as bad in the second half as they were in the first half. And so if you had the same amount of care, like I just, it's, it's a revisionist history. You're not comparing right. necessarily apples to apples in, in this case. And I, I just, you know, look, it is what it is, but uh, I, I think that either way you probably can't lose. Yeah. Um, it's just that that's what I perceive Penn state to value in Singleton and why he's been getting those first cracks. Yeah, and, and so the consistency is the other thing. That is a, the the feeling, and I think that's what, it is what Chess says here, more consistent run game, and then bring in Singleton. How quickly can, how quickly can Nicholas close that gap, right? Of being consistent and trusting his eyes and trusting all the things that Catron is very good at. How soon could he close that gap? And, and I Again, I was seeing a good bit of that throughout the first, uh, even when he was making some mistakes against Central Michigan in terms of being a little pressing a little too hard. He would come back and, and make up for it the next play with a good read. Yeah. But, you know, Catron, that's what he's providing you is consistent on every down, making generally good decisions. It's not like Nick is not. So, again, right. that's the we have to have these the the nuance of the conversation. And I think that, you know, with his talent and his abilities and his maturity he's earned that position but they're both going to play the, the point is both of them are going to play totally totally if 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 Kevon lee comes into the conversation then we can then we can start to debate we can have yeah. a, a a hotter debate but I, I don't think that look uh singleton is leading in rushing yards uh on just a few more carries uh his yards per carry is higher obviously because he has more home runs yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I just, yeah, they're, they're, they're both winners. Good for Penn state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to our next question, we're going to go through the next ones pretty quickly because we set a goal and we are yeah, far from accomplishing it way out of whack here. <laughs> Have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn state football tickets? Do you want to get to a home game where it is 60 degrees and raining through a, uh, the remnants <laughs> of a hurricane? Uh, if that is a good time to you. And let me tell you, Zoe was at the game. On Saturday, and she, I love her. She stayed the entire time. She forced the people with her to stay the entire time. She watched the entire game. She loves football. If that's like you, you're a diehard that's going to go no matter what. Jim at TixmanJim.com, formerly PSU Tixman uh, Jim, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Check out his website. Every buyer is handled with courtesy, respect, and every ticket purchased is guaranteed. Proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. Get your tickets to the Ohio State Stripe Out Homecoming. The only games anyone's talked to me about or cared about in the last month. 
once they knew the Penn State was going to win those games that they were playing. Homecoming and the whiteout, the stripe out, all of it still on the table. www.ticksmanjim.com or email jim at ticksmanjim at gmail.com. Call 302-521-8380. So that's www.ticksmanjim.com. All right. Next question. Uh, Cousin Eddie, how are the mm. linebacker, the middle linebackers grading out through five games? I haven't been impressed with either of them thus far. Just curious how your thoughts, how they're performing. I did dive into those numbers and Cousin Eddie, the numbers say that they are not playing very well and they, <laughs> your eye test is correct. There are things beyond just that, though. So, Nate, do you think that they are providing the functional need for the defense to be successful? I, I guess. I, bluntly, I I haven't formed an opinion this year. I, and and maybe yeah. my eye just hasn't been discerning enough, but they, I said it on Monday, I, they have not been the splash play makers. I follow the ball more often than not, and these guys yeah. aren't around it more often than not. So... Yep. Um, you know, it, I, I, I trust your analysis and your eye on this one way more than I trust myself because th- here we are three days later and I definitely haven't changed my opinion from not having an opinion about those <laughs> two guys. They haven't been, they haven't, I wouldn't say they've been exposed really. And fine. I know. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. They've yeah. Been fine. In, in the underneath passing game. Penn State fans are accurate to point out that the middle linebacker has not been performing to his duties, including, by the way, Kobe King, who everyone is is chomping at the bit to supplant Tyler Elson as the starter because they perceive this upside that is there. And maybe athletically there is more to give, but I have I've come out and said it last week, like the, the percentage increase is not as high as you think. Mm-hmm. That being said, they're both performing adequately and Kobe King is probably like a higher ceiling player that is is still learning. And they haven't been exposed to the extent of they've been giving up touchdowns, but I think that's the whole point is that they're never going to be in that that position. So scheming around a little bit, maybe using them as as uh as the first the first one into the breach, maybe you could say, uh, at in run in the run game so that other guys can go make plays. There's a lot of that in football too, of like one guy sacrifices. So another guy gets open for a catch or for a tackle or things like that. So if that's what you're doing, being in your gap is, is the important thing. And for the most part, they've been there. Tyler Elsden, his, his arm length and his tackling, that is something that concerns me because he has missed enough tackles that that part I think is a real problem. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Chester comes back with another one. Double, double dips. Normally, I don't allow this, but it's the bye week. Oh, and, and he's uh, Chester Copperpot. How, you can't deny that. He's the best. I, I, I agree. That's it, certain people do get favorable treatment. I I admit it. Other than Clifton, what player or players need to make a biggest improvement from uh, for PSU to win two of the next three games? We'll start there, and then I'll ask the second uh, question that he has hmm. in this. Hmm. Uh, how, how many players do I get to pick? 
<laughs> uh, let he says or players. So let's give two each if you want. Uh, okay, I'm gonna say Trey Wallace. Mm-hmm. It need it needs to happen. Uh, so him, and then n- no opinion on a specific player, but I I just think that any ongoing improvement of the offensive line yeah. will be essential. So what where. I'll, I'll let you take that side of things, T. Frank. But I would, I would just say, whoever is the weak link on the the offensive line, Caden Wallace was the easy target over the first couple of weeks. Yeah. But whoever that whoever that guy is, whoever those guys are, if they take a bigger step, I I just think that uh, it dictates and impacts, especially from the Sean Clifford end of things. Yeah. It impacts him so much. It is such a huge swing between what his performance looked like when he's under pressure versus when he's not that if you can solidify that group and and you know heck add the tight ends add the running backs whatever the pass protection yeah methodology is if those improve i think penn state will see demonstrable improvement out of sean clifford uh, one quick note i think the running backs are a little bit worse this year you got two freshmen that are pass protecting and they have been worse than they were last year but they have far offset that that's kind of my thing when we talked about this preseason yep. of like can they learn x y and z and it and and kind of boils down to if you're if you're uh, if you're providing more than your problems create and if you're katron allen or nick singleton and you're not elite pass blockers yet i don't care you've got 499 yards rushing that's better like that's yep. more impactful than allowing three pressures in in a couple of games but to put a fine point on what you talk about the offensive line, um, if you want to check out the full breakdown, bluewhiteillustrate.com, sign up for $1, get 12 months of access. That is not going to last forever, for real though this time. And I got into those numbers. Without giving all of it away, the interior offensive linemen outside of Juice Scruggs. That is where the, the improvement needs to come as pass protectors, especially in, in what you just talked about. Both guards have have not performed well, especially in obvious passing situations. Um, and I think from Sal, Sal Wormley's perspective, a little bit of it is just pass blocking awareness. So that can change and improve. Landon Tangwell seems to have some some bigger problems in terms of core strength and stability and and things I didn't expect that would be problems this year for him. I thought he was a very mature athlete coming in. A lot of that we're re reworking our assessment of those things, but I still believe in the upside of what he has, but those two guys, Hunter Norzad, whenever he gets back healthy, Sean Clifford does not do well with pressure in his face and he's affected by it more than other quarterbacks. It seems so part of the numbers I found was that pressure is coming from different areas this year, and it is affecting him beyond just passing plays where there's pressure. He's becoming more susceptible to phantoms in the pocket this year and I believe part of it is because it's coming from his right in his face instead of the tackles. So if they could clean that up, they would have an elite pass blocking unit. But <laughs> ifs and and buts and who who knows? They'll be again facing better competition. So that'd be that'd be that part. Um, defensively, the linebackers you could point to them as well. But we're gonna save some of the other people in this conversation for later because the questions are gonna come up specifically. Who's the biggest surprise, positive or negative, in the first half of the season? Brenton Strange. Yep. I'd go I'd go Abdul Carter. 
uh, as far as uh, uh, I'm sorry, I had the positive sense. Yeah, I had the right answer. So, <laughs> well, I have to give a different answer, but you yeah, know, that's, that's fair. You're right. It's it's more. There is one right answer. <laughs> so John uh, spelled J A W N for us on the podcast, which makes me think he's from Philly. That's a Philly hmm. thing, John. Right? It is. It is. Okay. Still don't I've know been... what it means, but yeah, I don't either. Thing. I've been nowhere and lived nowhere in my life, so I don't have that cultural background. But anyway, do you think Caden Wallace has turned a corner, or is he somewhat of a liability at tackle? I haven't noticed him as much as I did during the first few games, and as a casual fan, it usually is a good thing for the O-line. Wondering if there's anything uh, or if I'm too dumb to see or notice. No, you're correct, John. Uh, it, he has been better partially because the offense is catering more to his abilities. And I don't want to say they're catering to him specifically, mm -hmm. but in these gap schemes, they've been running the power and the counter come uh, when he's combo blocking with Salim Wormley. That is a, that is an actual difference maker. He has, he's been in better situations as a run blocker, uh, but no, he has not turned the corner as a pass protector. It is the <laughs> exact same. And that is a real problem. And Bryce Efner is not good either at this point as a pass protector. So, hey, <laughs> It, the blunt. statistical the well the statistical output has been they have allowed a lot of pressure from the right tackle it has equated to the same number as last season so it is not worse yeah but he has not got demonst he has not become demonstrably better as a pass protector they just have been throwing the ball less hide your weaknesses accentuate your strengths yep yep and and that first cliche game, <laughs> that first game against uh Against Purdue, they could not hide that, and they have been able to since. Navy Blue, what do you think of the wide receiver run blocking downfield? Started uh, to look for it during the Northwestern game, rewatch, and thought you maybe, uh, with a better effort, could make that nine-yard run go for 30. Is mm. this something you've noticed, Nate? Is it something you have a comment on? No, not really. I thought that Keandre Lambert-Smith had some notable yeah. moments, right? Some of some of the, the blocks that sprang sprung nick sprung? singleton yeah sprung were were of his doing uh brenton strange has been a big part of some of those uh yeah. but yeah outside of that no I, no no comment i think if there's one player i would point to it might be mitchell tinsley could improve as a blocker uh, mm -hmm. i've noticed a couple times what i think navy blue is talking about where there there's an alley there's a gap and if tinsley gets his guy then you're one-on-one -on -one with the safety and you know, but then you're corralled by two players and it's not the same effect as if you're one-on-one -on -one with the safety. I will say in the Northwestern game, once again, they got Allen and, and Singleton and Lee, they got them to the safety. They did not break that tackle for an explosive run, which is another part of that game and how the game script played into a 17 to seven win over Northwestern is the weather and and that and that's also why they kept doing it. It's like, well, we're gonna get him one on one with a safety or a corner. We're gonna keep doing that and take our chances. Yeah. Uh, NLE twenty four says this season, Yursich seems to be drawing more from RPO to Wishbone to old fashioned Smash Mouth. Where did those come from? Has he always had these plays, or has he reimagined uh, an offensive strategy? Or I guess you could say he's using the guys that he's uh, very effectively. But I wonder where the offensive playbook developed from Nate. We've had this conversation. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Right? This is, this is your, this is your wheelhouse because you talked about it all last year. 
they tried everything last yeah. year. So none of this is really <laughs> new. I don't yeah. think, uh, you, you know, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know, but you can speak to it better than I can, but a lot of the looks formationally that they've had have been, you know, that yeah, three, three backfield quarterback flanked by right on either side. Yep. It yep. has been, they've had that for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah. Two tight end know. sets. That, so the, the one area that James Franklin has talked about is going under center has been one of the biggest changes. Uh, I think there has been more offensive creati- creativity from from the, the playbook, but that is because it's opened up by having a threat in the run game. So if everyone's tuned up to run to the sideline to outflank Nick Singleton, you have more cutback opportunities. You can do more with one run when you have personnel that you have to take seriously. And, you know, from a, from a speed perspective, um, the flip side is this goes back to something James Franklin said before the season, talking about identities and systems. And I, I believe in these plays. I'm going to run these plays. This is my system. And James Franklin talked about, if you've got two tight ends that are the strength of your team, or you can go three tight end sets, you've got to be able to incorporate those things into your system or else you're doing a disservice to the players. So I do think there is some of this that's fitting the players into the system, but I do think that there has been a radical change in Mike Yurcich and what he's done from what I've seen previously. I, I definitely think what he's doing at Penn State is different than what he's done previously, and I don't know if that's the James Franklin um, component of these things, you know, his influence and suggestions and things he wants from his offensive coordinator, or if it's something I asked James Franklin about, is that our team's figuring out the spread, and you have to evolve, or yeah. else you're running empty plays, and I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> uh psu atl 99 i'm sorry i'm not going to be able to read all of this so i'll uh skip to the end here and says uh i'll I'll trust this coaching staff is putting the best players on the field to give penn state a chance to win but what can penn state do to open things up downfield with the current group of players are the schematic changes that can be made or is it purely a matter of better execution thanks and and i I, i'll admit i pre-read this he's talking about biggest shortcoming Lack of downfield passing game. It is mm-hmm. absolutely true. Uh, 12% of the downfield passing. Three completed passes. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a lot from the third receiver, but it can't just be the third receiver, is it, Nate? It can't just be the difference of one player on the offense. No, the quarterback and the offensive line. Uh, but I don't think... I think you know what you have in Tinsley and Washington, and I don't yeah. think that those guys are going to change from being more or less possession receivers. And there's a place for that. They're not. Yeah. They're not burners. They're just not. They're not fast, comparatively speaking. And yeah. so, I, I don't know how much of it is Sean Clifford just not having great ability throwing the yeah. ball downfield. How much of it is uh, the connection side of things, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. it, yes, Keandre Lambert Smith was supposed to be that, or but that there were concerns about Keandre Lambert Smith before the season started, right? And so if right. it's not Keandre Lambert Smith and it's Trey Wallace, or if it's Omari Evans, th- there's been less time there. 
there there has been um not not as much um y- you know not not as much of a history i guess for those yeah. two to have yeah. worked with clifford on that specific element but like schematically uh you know that that's for you as to <laughs> are, are, like are they are they open it seems to me as yeah. though there this have the, this, been some, but not yeah. with any level of consistency. This is the hard thing is then you've got to go back in and remember all the deep passing plays and all the plays that aren't thrown. Right. So this is the other part of it, too, is like there are plays that maybe could have been deep passes that w- the quarterback didn't select that particular no. route, whether or not it's a choice or if that's the read, whatever it is. Like, you know, there's always football has so, so it's a, it just goes everywhere. There's there's you know, consequences all, and actions yeah. all over the place. I can't remember the, the diagram that I'm trying to think of where like a flow chart, like it's a crazy complex flow chart. Sure. Um, generally, if we're talking about the receiver specifically, I think a lack of separation bears out in the contested catch numbers this year. And it bears out in the lack of explosive plays, given what we know about Sean Clifford and his desire to throw to open receivers. I also, I also think Jahan Dotson's lack of presence and coverage rolling to him as it did throughout the season, it left Keandre Lambert-Smith some pretty good opportunities, right? It left Mm -hmm. some pretty good stuff underneath for Parker Washington. Parker Washington is still getting that stuff underneath. It's just that there's not a consistent deep threat from skill perspective to then augment and and uncondense the field, unbox the underneath coverage. Yeah. Um, But they also haven't been throwing it as much this year, and they haven't needed explosive plays that way because they can get them through the run game. So it's a complicated answer. Magically, if the quarterback could be better, you could solve this problem. But that's not the thing. Look at look at the passing chart to date. Right? Who has and do this blind, T. Frank? Who has the longest pass catch in on the season through five games? I cheated that it's Brenton Strange. And it's it is. Actu- actually, it's the same. It's 67 yards, which was the longest last season as well at this point. There's some spooky comparisons between these two years. So, yeah, 67 but, yards. But that's a 67-yard reception that was really a 20-yard pass or a 25-yard yep. pass. It On was a scramble. Not- Correct. And, yeah. and so, uh, and, and even Parker Washington, his longest 43, that was yep. a catch and run. That was a catch and run. So yep. after that, uh, there, there's been lots of catch and run, I think, uh, yep. you, you know, and certainly some of it is limited by the amount of field that you have left to work with before the end zone, because Khalil Dinkins could have gone for more than 28 yards had he not plunged his way into the end zone. Um, right. Keandre Lambert Smith, the same 29 yard, like all, all of those passes, there has not been, any type of prevalence of chucking it down the field for lack of a better way to describe it to me. And they really haven't had to, again, going back to that point is they, they, they could have in this last game and they didn't have to the central Michigan game is the game that I think is concerning is that you weren't able to get it done there, but that was also the first iteration of the game plan specific to Penn state this year. So have they had enough time to adjust and adapt to that? Uh, I apologize to psych him. Uh, I was going to get to both of these questions together, but they are the same and we are running out of time. Yoga Ninja 13 says, love the mailbag. What do you do about number 25? Who was above average last year at nickel, meaning Daquan Hardy this year. Mm -hmm. Not so much. He comes on the field. You can actually see opposing 
uh, offensive coordinators drooling. What options? Uh, we have options here. How about five, six, eight, twenty-one? Meaning the other players, Dixon or King, can't play nickel. Uh, need a change here. Thanks. Daquan Hardy struggles this year probably are the most mystifying thing to me of all the things. Tyler Warren's regression as a run blocker and Daquan Hardy, his regression as a cover corner. What do you think the solution is? Because James Franklin and the staff have always given guys time to play themselves out of poor play. Mm-hmm. Is time running out for that or is this going to be something he continues to work on? I don't know. I I don't think it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, maybe the plays that stand out that have been made against him, I don't think have been unilaterally his fault, uh, right? Like plays that he hasn't made. I think some of them have been good plays. The Auburn reception is one that stands out to me uh, of just a great catch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, and so I don't necessarily see it as this, glaring weakness i I don't i i'm not going to sit here and argue that he had has had a great first half of the season but um you know certainly the skill set that they think that he brings to the field i understand why it remains appealing to penn state's coaching staff to keep him on the field i i mean i i just so i'll be interested to see how it goes for him if it were the reality that he you know that that uh, yoga ninja is is purporting here what are the solutions? Do, do you have a roadmap of the solutions? Because if you, they do play Johnny Dixon at slot corner already at nickel. Yeah. But then you're losing a little bit of the flexibility of the defense where Dixon has been a good blitzer. And are you going to blitz him less because he's playing nickel more? I think all of these things have a, have a consequential effect on one another. And I, I don't know that you can bench Daquan Hardy. And I don't know that you should. But I do agree that he is consistently the weak link in the secondary the teams are attacking that is based on everything i've seen in the numbers all bear that out that he is the guy that they're targeting in these third down situations interesting yeah i don't i don't i don't i don't know what they would do i just think that you're right in the sense of there there would be a reaction to that you're you're going to lose something else by um making that type of a move yeah and i think the main thing here is don't give up on players with talent and don't give up on players that you've seen produce in the past. Is that, I think that's a, that's a good place to end that particular conversation and take yeah. Hardy. It seems like a, a guy that has worked hard to be where he is and has deserved and earned the opportunity to play himself out of it. I think, I mean, I'm just, I'm just stunned that the questions five games in are not about John Sutherland for the exact same thing. Right. Because yeah. that was, that was the mystery coming into the season. And mm-hmm. now, uh, you know, there, some someone else has been found as a, an easy target for yeah. you know the the ills that have happened. But let's let's keep things in perspective here. This is a Penn State defense that's giving up thirteen point two points per game through five games. Yep, like they, they've been really good. They've been very very good. There are weaknesses that will exist and that will get worse for Penn State as the season goes on. But. uh yeah, by and large, you're you're going to take what they have done so far, including, again, I, I keep hammering it home, but not getting burnt on chunk plays for yep. touchdowns, for touchdowns. They've given up chunk plays and they've given up long third downs. 
but they haven't gotten burnt into the end zone, and that matters. Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That'll do it for our mailbag episode. Thank you very much, Nate. Thanks so much for having me. That's a quick ending, but I like it. Yeah, well, I, I kept you longer than I promised, so I want to at least make the exit a little bit nicer. We'll be back tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition. Talk to you next.